Okay, today is May the 6th, 2010. Remember, we're going to have Friday night at the movies. Tomorrow night, it's The Ultimate Gift is the name of the movie. <clears throat> we also have this. Y'all recognize that? That's Foghorn Leghorn. So we will have a cartoon. When was the last time you went to a movie and saw a cartoon? And saw them both for free. Hmm. Well, yeah, the free part's kind of tough. Uh, The ultimate gift. Um, Also, we're going to have a memorial service here a Saturday for Vi, Violet Tulp. And it begins at 1030. And there will be lunch afterwards here on the premises. So you might keep that in mind. I think that's all I have to uh, say. Um, Sunday I'll make an announcement. We are going to have a junior class. We're going to start having a, a young people's class on Wednesdays. And I'm going to announce that and give, uh, give, announce that and give some particulars. But you can already start planning on that. And we'll see if there's enough interest for that. We'll have it and keep having it. But if there's no interest or little interest, then we will just won't have it. It depends on... Uh, the parents and the young people, if it's supported, then we'll have it. If not, uh, we won't. So let's prepare ourselves in our usual fashion. We'll have a few moments of silent prayer. During that time, it gives you the opportunity to name privately to God the Father any unconfessed sins which ensures the filling of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that you are omnipotent, omniscient, the wise and holy God that never changes. We can always depend upon your faithfulness. And everything that you do is for our benefit. We pray that you will help us to recognize that we don't have to be worried. We don't have to fret, be in despair as we see our world continue to disintegrate around us. It's no doubt going to get much worse. But we have the stability of Your Word in our soul. So we are not uh, full of foreboding. In fact, we have hope. We have confidence. We have eager anticipation for the things that You promised that You will bring to pass. And You surely will care for us and protect us, provide for us, bring us through every storm that comes our way. And to You, all the glory. So we pray that you will help us this very night to focus on your mighty word. For we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, we're going to get right into it tonight. If you'll turn your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2.
Let's start with verse 13 again. Just reading here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. And for this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received from us the word of God's message, you accepted it. Won't you put there where you accepted it a little plus V there? Or plus vol. That stands for positive volition. In fact, that's what I like to do is every time I see expressions of that, I like to put plus V there. That tells me I can see others who have had positive volition and how God has blessed them. They accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God. Here's yet another place in the Bible where the Bible claims to be the Word of God. Now, there are people who question that, and you can always be very dogmatic in saying, saying, well, the Bible says that it is the Word of God. Unequivocally, it says it. And it either is or it is not. I don't know of any other book that makes that claim, but at least the Bible makes the claim. Which is also or which also performs its work in you who believe. Those last two words were really important, remember? Who believe it. Nothing happens until you believe it. Have faith. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you also endured the same sufferings at the hands of your own countrymen, even as they did from the Jews. So the Gentiles in Thessalonica received suffering, intimidation, threats, and persecution from their own fellow fellow uh, uh, people, their, their ethnic group, the, the Gentiles, just as the Jews did in Jerusalem. They were suffering the same way, only from their ethnic group, which were the Jews. Only we, we already have found that in um, the Thessalonian believers not only received it from their own race, the Gentiles, but also from the Jews. Who was it that ran them out of town? It was the Jews. But they received it from both sides. Verse 15. <clears throat> and he just finished with Jews who he says, who both killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out they are not pleasing to God, but hostile to all men. And that's where we're going to start our study tonight. There's a little bit of overlap, but not much. And with the phrase, and drove us out. Many times the apostles had to flee for their lives. And usually it was the religious crowd who were driving them out. Religious people can be the most vicious, murdering people on earth. They hate grace. And they hate those who are grace-oriented. What comes to mind when you think of a huge religious group today that fits that category? They hate grace and they're murderers. Muslims, right? Islam is a religion. But they're not the only ones. There have been religions throughout time that have persecuted the... Uh, unbelievers, those that don't 
uh, believe the way they do. Of course, in our country in this particular time, we're not suffering the persecution outright the way that uh, they did, the way the Thessalonians did or the way that the Jews in Jerusalem did. That doesn't mean it can't happen. But any time you stand for truth, what's going to happen? You're going to be attacked because we live in the devil's world. We have to get it through our heads. We are in enemy territory. Every day that you wake up and you go outside, and I know this morning I went outside. It's a beautiful morning. It's a little bit, little bit uh, cool. And the birds were singing. I mean, it was a zippity doo day. And I thought, isn't this great? And I gave thanks right then to God because I don't know how many of those we're going to have. And I was thanking Him for... I don't know what's in the future, but I know what I have this morning. Thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for these birds. Thank you for the uh, privacy, living out in the country and seeing all the nature around you. Having the time, having the health, having everything that we need in order to be great ambassadors and reflect God's glory. But even though I knew that this was a, a, a time to thank God for It's just one little bitty spot on this planet, and this planet as a whole is ruled by Satan. And I'm the same way you are. Sometimes when something happens that is really unfair, I feel offended. I feel shocked. How could this happen? This is so blatantly wrong. Then it's just like, you know, how they do when they do it. I should have had a V8, one of these deals. Oh, yeah. What should I, why shouldn't I expect it to be this way? Because look where we're living. And what it is is a great motivation to look forward to the time when our Lord is going to come back to this planet and He is going to straighten this mess out. And everything is going to be so much more wonderful, not just better, it's going to be so wonderful it's going to be beyond our wildest imagination. But he's not going to come back and negotiate. He's not going to come back and get everybody together. He's not going to be a meeting at the UN. In fact, it's going to be bye-bye UN. And that whole cauldron of evil is going to be gone. And he is going to rule with a rod of iron. And I don't know about you, but I cannot wait. Because there is so much wickedness and evil duplicity, not, not, not just all over the world here, even here. So, <clears throat> the religious, religious crowd is the group that is behind that most of the time, fomenting the resistance to truth. And it's organized. It's been around for a long time. But as powerful as they are, And as much as they own the media, they are not more powerful than God's Word. And His will will be accomplished. I don't know why, but it seems like every time, maybe, let me say 95% of the time, whether it's TV or whether it's movies or whatever, when they're trying to show the spiritual side of something, what do you see? Catholicism. You notice that? Anytime they want to show somebody that's, that's religion, well, they, they are. They're showing religion. They're showing religious people what they do. And a lot of people think, okay, if that's religion, 
I don't want to be any part of it. And they, they, they lump Christianity in with that group. And they say, I don't want to be a Christian because a lot of these people claim that they're Christians, but they are not. Taking on the name of Christ and not believing in Christ, in other words, not accepting the gospel, doesn't make you any more of a Christian than it makes you a car standing in your garage. We have a lot of people that are deceived. The, the harvest is white. Fields are white. The harvest is, is there. We have to be alert and take advantage of it. Now, we already went over Acts 17, verse 5 through 14. Do you all remember what that was? Just nod, yeah. No, you don't remember what it was. Well, let's go back there. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I didn't teach it. Before I start chomping and, and diatribe here, I better make sure that I did teach it. <laughs> okay. No, I was thinking this was uh, uh, Paul. Remember on the road to Damascus? That's what we went over. I think that's in chapter 11, though. This is verse, uh, chapter 17. Well, let's go there. Acts 17, verse 5. We're talking about being driven out. Paul knows what he's talking about because the account of the, um, the communicators of doctrine in Thessalonica is not found in 1 Thessalonians. It's found in Acts chapter 17. That's where we're going to. And this is the account of one of the many times that they were driven out. You talk about somebody who was courageous, who had to have skin as thick as an elephant skin, was the Apostle Paul. Where did he go the first time when he hit the city? Where's the first place he'd go? Yeah, he'd go to the synagogue. That was the toughest nut to crack. And when he strolled into the synagogue, and, of course, they were doing business as usual in Judaism, the Messiah had come. They had ignored it. In fact, they had, their brethren had killed him. That's what we just saw. And he goes in and says, uh, raises his hand. I don't know if he raised his hand. Whatever he did, he got noticed. And he said, uh, <clears throat> everything has changed. The Messiah has come. And we killed him. We murdered the Messiah. And we're not going to have any more of the uh, feast days. We're not going to have uh, the Sabbath. We're not going to be meeting on Saturdays anymore. Uh, and he's just going through the whole thing. Can you imagine what they were doing? There was smoke coming out of their ears by the time he was through. And it, the Bible talks about everywhere he went, he was, he was beaten, he was scourged, he was cursed, he was thrown out. What a, what a time he had. Anyway, this is one of them. Let's Check it out. Acts 17, verse 5. But the Jews, becoming jealous and taking along some wicked men from the market. Now, this is, I didn't read this whole part reading up to here. This is just talking about <clears throat> when he came to Thessalonica and he gave the gospel and some of them accepted, of it, accepted it, but some rejected it. And, of course, the ringleaders of those who did not accept it were the religious crowd, the Jews. And that's where we're picking it up in verse 5. But the Jews, becoming jealous and taking along some wicked men from the marketplace, formed a mob and set the city in an uproar. And coming upon the house of Jason, they were seeking to bring them out 
to the people. So they took somebody from the market. I don't know, these are probably thugs. These are liars. They were trying to set a case against Paul. Why does it? Because they were jealous. They had their thing going. They had this respect from the people. These are the, the Pharisees. These are those who were looked up to. And they also benefited from it monetarily. And when Paul came in and said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. We're not doing it this way anymore. We're not going to... The Pharisees and the whole Judaic system, the sacrifices, the holy days, the Sabbath, all these things is in the past. We're in a new age. We're in the church age now. And this is the way we're going to do it. Well, it's the ringleaders that were fomenting this. It's the same way today. When you go to someone and... I don't know how many times I have talked to people who were in... Organized religion, and I'm talking about religion meaning those who were trying to work their way to heaven. And I would give them information, and they're, I don't know. You know you're just some old, you don't even belong to a denomination. If you don't belong to a denomination, you don't even count. And you're out there, where? Brigham, Texas, where's that? You're not even in the city, you're out there in the stick somewhere, and you're telling me that these things that I've been hearing from my priests or my bishops or my elder, whoever they are, is, uh, is not right? Why should I believe you? They're, they're, and you show them in the Scriptures. You're quoting Scriptures. You're showing it to them. But they have a problem with it. And so what do they do? They go to their leaders and they say, Hey, this bird over here is coming up with this stuff. I've never heard it before. What do you think about this? What do you think they're going to do? Do you think they're going to say... Oh, well, you know, maybe they have a point. No. First of all, they're jealous. Because these people are bringing up things they don't even know the answers to. They don't know about it. They're still thinking they're blessed by eating the wafer and the cup and the whole nine yards and the smoke. I'm sorry, but every time I see that, I think about when I used to go to the drive-ins and we used to have this thing called pick. It was a little, little coil that that you lit, and it had smoke coming up, and it was supposed to keep the mosquitoes away. Well, it stank, and I, I don't know about keeping mosquitoes away, but I remember I used to take it, and I was going like this all in the car, doing the smoke like this, trying to get the mosquitoes out. And every time I see them up there, and they're shaking this little pot with the smoke, I'm thinking, mm-hmm, trying to get rid of mosquitoes. <laughs> oh, well, that's blasphemous. No. What does that have to do with anything of the church age? I don't know. Uh, anyhow, um, where was I? I was in verse 5. Okay, yeah, yeah. here we are. Acts 17, verse 5. So they, they went to Jason because he was a friend of Paul and his companions. And they didn't find them, so they hauled those out to the magistrates. In verse 6, when they did not find them, they didn't find Paul and his Companions, they began dragging Jason and some of the brethren before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have upset the world have come here also. Oh, you know, they were probably telling the truth there. They were upsetting the world. You can do the same thing. Whenever you give the gospel, whenever you stand for doctrine, guess what happens? Your little neck of the woods, uh, your little world is going to be set upside down. You're going to rock the boat, and people do not like it. They like the status quo. And the status quo is not grace. It works. 
Verse 7, and Jason has welcomed them. Oh, his crime was being uh, gracious and, and hospitable. And they all act contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. Of course, they didn't care. They, see, they're going to the magistrates. These are Jews, religious people, going to the magistrates. And the, the magistrates didn't care about if Jesus said he was what was going on. But when they said that he's claiming that he, there's another king other than Caesar, then that got their attention. And this is, these people are shrewd. They knew how to get what they wanted. They stirred up the crowd and the city authorities who heard these things. When they had received a pledge from Jason and the others, they released them. This is probably a monetary pledge. I mean, you know, a money. Kind of like a bond type thing. Here, we'll give you this money to make, if there's any more trouble, you can, you can hold on to the money. Uh, verse 10, And the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue to the Jews. <laughs> what happened? They, they just barely get out of Thessalonica. In fact, they didn't, it doesn't say that they even wanted to leave. It says that the brethren uh, sent them out for their own safety. And so what did they do? What they always do. They go next town and go to the synagogue. And what do they do? Same thing. They start giving the truth. And then verse 11, it talks about the Bereans uh, being different, how they accepted all. We'll, we'll stop there because that's the main thing I want you to see. Now, that's one of the accounts where they were driven out, but they were driven out nearly everywhere they went except Berea. And when they went to Berea... They were accepted because the people did what? They went to the Scriptures to see if what they were saying is true. And that's what you should do every time. Every time you're here, every time you go somewhere else. Every, there's people all over the place talking about the Bible, talking about Christianity, talking about different doctrines. And whether it's me or any other communicator, what you do is go to the Word to see if it was so. And so they were accepting, accepting it and word got back to these birds over here in Thessalonica that had run them out there. And they couldn't stand it. They had to go to Berea to run them out there also. That's, you've got to have a bear on your saddle to do that. I mean, these were people who were driven. And then, well, that's, that was the case. So, we go to the next phrase in our Scripture here. It says, they are not pleasing to God. The people who do this are not pleasing to God. And I gave you last time, this is a litotes. It's a, it's a figure of speech where you purposely understate something to emphasize a point. This sounds like, this wasn't pleasing to God. Like, maybe it was a little bit pleasing, but it wasn't real pleasing. That's not what it's saying at all. It's saying just the opposite. It means His wrath is burning. I mean, He is saving up the wrath and at the right time he's going to pour it out. It means doesn't mean it's just not pleasing. God is angry. This is righteous indignation. It's not a sin. Of course, it's blasphemous to think that God would sin. But God gets angry and rightfully so. Sometimes when, on the news tonight, I'm not even going to go into it because I don't want to get off on it, but there was more crap on the news tonight about things that are going on. And everything is going just the opposite as it should. I think I heard uh, 
Did I hear it right that the U.N. has made certain restrictions and calling the shots as to what's happening out in the Gulf? Does anybody hear that? I guess you all listen to the news. Well, that's just as well. Um, and I don't get on it. Anyhow, let's press on. It's just a lot of nonsense. And There was another statistic about how many um, women who are not married now are having babies, and the, the statistics there are just going through the roof. And I'm, I just have to turn it off. I, normally, when I'm studying, I'm in a zone. A parade could be going right through my living room. I wouldn't even know it. Every once in a while, Carrie says, Honey, is it all right? Can I do this? Or will I? No, 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 no. Yeah, go ahead. Whatever. I'm, I'm here. But when the news comes on, sometimes these things penetrate, and I have to just stop. But I'm not going to stop here. We'll press on. So he's very angry. Those who set themselves against God's people also set themselves against God. Paul knew this very well. Let's go to Acts chapter 26. I'm getting confused. I don't know if I taught this or not. Let's see. Is that the one about... Okay. That's the one about the road to Damascus. All right. This is where uh, Jesus Christ got Paul's attention. Paul was persecuting the, uh, the believers... And Christ made a personal call to Saul. His name was Saul then. And in his resurrection body and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Well, Paul was on earth. How could he be persecuting Christ? Because Christ takes it personally when someone persecutes his children. So we already did that. We'll go on. Uh, But... But hostile to all men. Let's put those two together. We are, uh, they are not pleasing to God, but hostile to all men. Judaizers and false teachers are in opposition to all mankind because their lies can cause believers to stumble and unbelievers to reject the gospel. They try to extinguish the light of truth and open and often persecute those who stand far. And there are those today. Everywhere you go, there are those who oppose truth. You can count on it. And when they are opposing truth, especially when they're opposing the gospel, they are opposing all men. Because the gospel is for who? All men. It's a shame that the airwaves have pretty much been dominated by false teachers and false doctrines. I don't get the four, channel 14 anymore because when they went from the uh, analog to digital or whatever that conversion was, uh, the nut channel disappeared. That was channel 14, you know, just off the antenna. And when I said the nut channel, everybody knew, knew what I was talking about. Now there's a channel 22 that has about five stations, and they're all nuts on there. So I don't know what, you, what to call it anymore, but they are there in, in mass. <laughs> In mass, you get it? Well, Uh, so they're all over the place, and they're hostile to all men. And it's gotten to the point to where I don't even like to... Well, I don't. I don't call myself a Christian. I call myself a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Christians have now associated... it's, It's been so tainted by the kooks that when you tell them you're a Christian, in their mind, they've been watching Channel 22, and you say, 
uh, you're a Christian, and they kind of go like this. Oh. You know, they kind of look at you. So. Now, verse 16a, because we go by sentences and not verses, because why? Sentence is a basic unit of thought. And so we take it a. Actually, we take a sentence and we want to deal with that whole sentence because that's one thought that he's trying to get out. But Paul can string these words together, so sometimes we just go by a phrase. Sometimes we go by a word. We put it all together and finally we get to a basic unit of thought in a sentence. And so Paul can stretch it out to six or eight verses sometimes. So we don't go by verses. We go by sentences. So we have a sentence that ends in the middle of verse 16. Or not in the middle, but anyway, we have... Uh, verse 16a is still part of that same sentence. And so we have here, hindering us from speaking to Gentiles that they might be saved, with the result that they always fill up the measure of their sins. So we start with hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles. You see, that's what they did when these uh, Jewish bigwigs from Thessalonica went to Berea. Uh, What were they doing? They were trying to hinder these Bible communicators of truth. Notice, hindering does not mean stopping. Did you notice that? Hindering, they can hinder, they can't stop it. These evil men could hinder, restrain, and weaken those who were giving the gospel, but they could not about him. We'll hear the devote. See Cornelius longer put all the clean food. Efforts to accomplish. And you would think it would just change sides in the middle of the storm. That they might beg, and if they don't want to attack it, with the reason they're going to I'm just by a holding, going into all of the Matilda and Bills is for this music. What does that mean? That God's going to judge for that scripture? Is understand that? The Jews have that should result. And. and uh, an aim to me. I have a glance at my eight twenty that he had Greeks and Alex could have and for the fruit of their root. Well, uh, their great authority gives them that everything will be spot and he can his will. He will destroy mighty men and the holy people, which would be the Jews. Let me stop here for just a minute. There's a double, there's a parallel thing going on here. A lot of you are looking at this and thinking, well, he's probably talking about the Antichrist. Because this certainly describes the Antichrist. But that's not the direct one. The direct one that he is talking about is Antiochus. Antiochus Epiphanes. He was an evil dude. He's the one during the time of the Maccabees, and he went in and, and uh, went to the temple and was sacrificing swine on the altar and all these types of things. Antichrist is going to be his parallel later on. Now just just think, this is the Bible. You can get a history book and put it beside the Bible and look what's going on here and you're going to think, wow, the Bible really knows what's going to happen. Verse 25 and through his shrewdness, he will cause deceit to succeed by his influence. And he will magnify himself in his heart. And he will destroy many while they are at ease. 
He will oppose the prince of princes. Who do you think that is? Jesus Christ. But he will be broken without human agency. What this means is Antiochus Epiphanes was not murdered. He died by natural causes. And the Antichrist is not going to be killed. He's going to be thrown alive into the lake of fire. So you have a double parallel going on here. But I want you to see that this, again, is once they've reached their limit, then God is going to act. I don't know about you, but this gives me peace. This settles me down inside. Because when I see what's going on, and I see the rulers of this earth, those who have the power, and I see the things that they do, I want to grind my teeth. I want to clench my fist. I want to set my jaw. I want to hit somebody. Is that wrong? Well, I ought to control myself. But that's righteous indignation. Anybody that sits by and says, oh, well, you know, case arise, arise. And I think the Lord's doing the same thing. I mean, He is just keeping it all. He's got all the facts. And He's just letting it build up. Giving everyone grace. Giving even these people a chance to repent. To turn it around. And a lot of them, most of them, are not going to. And when He releases that wrath. Well, let me put it this way. I'm glad we're not going to be around. Some people say, well, I'd like to see the Lord get them sick of them. You know, let's, let's. It's not going to be a pretty sight. I've been reading in Revelation a lot lately. And I'm getting a renewed awe of God's power and what He's going to do. I think about when I taught the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk was, he was, he was hacked at God because God, what are you doing all these? Look at all this... Wickedness. Look at all this evil going on. You're not doing anything about it. What's the deal? And God said, okay, Habakkuk, you want to know what I'm going to do? This is what I'm going to do. He explained to Habakkuk what he was going to do. And Habakkuk said, oh, no, not that. That's too terrible. That's too horrible. So he wasn't pleased when God wouldn't do anything. When he heard what God was going to do, he wasn't pleased with that either. We don't have to worry about that. When it all comes down, we're going to be up. <laughs> Aren't you glad? <clears throat> so back to our verse. Well, let's, let's go back to First uh, Thessalonians. And we'll bring it, we'll pull it together and then we'll close. Verse 14, 1 Thessalonians 2, we'll start there. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you also endured the same sufferings at the hands of your countrymen, even as they did from the Jews, who both killed the Lord and the prophets and drove us out. They are not pleasing to God, but hostile to all men, hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved. With the result that they always fill up the measure of their sins. And the next sentence in, starts in the middle of verse uh, of 
of number 16, and it's, But the wrath has come upon them to the utmost. But we, brethren, having been bereft of you for a short while, in person, not in spirit, we're all the more eager with great desire to see your face. We'll start next to the bonus. Change the subject then. And we have that little sentence to deal with. That's a, it's, a, it's a big little sentence in the middle of verse 16. But wrath has come upon them to the utmost. Seems like a simple verse, doesn't it? It's not. What wrath? Upon who? And you can go on and on. We'll check that out next time. Let's close. Father, we're so thankful for that we have still the opportunity to be here and drink in your word. Celebrate in our own soul who you are. We're so thankful that you are a just and righteous God, full of grace and mercy. But you are just. We pray that we will be respectful Fearful, if you will, of your mighty work that will be motivated by our devotion to service and our love towards our Lord to continue to learn and grow. We thank you that we still have the opportunity and pray that you'll help us to keep our priorities straight. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.